a new phenomenon in United States uh, kind of churches. First of all, Christianity in the United States is very different than Christianity throughout the world. Uh, but specifically in the United States, one of the new kind of phenomenons in the modern world is megachurches. And I think we've all heard this kind of term, megachurch is kind of a church, you know, normal size, and it's even bigger, right? And there's a few things that contribute to this. One of them is, is just technology today. People are able to communicate, right, to a bigger room than ever before, and there's, there's also more resources there, and it, it seems for whatever reason that smaller churches seem to be struggling at this time, and megachurches seem to just be gaining people, right? And we can sometimes look at that and kind of say, well, that's, what's wrong with that, right? We can kind of look at it and say, well, that's new. That must be, that must be bad. Um, and in our, in our own town, we, uh, most of us kind of know Red Cedar. And I think we'd kind of term Red Cedar a little bit of like a megachurch, although there are some megachurches in the United States that are even bigger. Interestingly enough, where most churches in the United States are losing members, megachurches... Uh, are grown, right? So what do we say? Well, do they have something, uh, something there? Well, I think that there's many things to criticize about a megachurch, absolutely. But there are many things to commend, many things that we can learn from to do. Now, I wouldn't take my theology from a megachurch, right? But there are many things that aren't theological that they do that are really important. I think they understand this gospel better than we understand it sometimes. Now, with a caveat, I don't understand this gospel at all. I mean, I shouldn't say it all. Did you, did you hear what happened? The dishonest steward was, was, uh, was commended. And we're like, wait, is he commending his dishonesty? Is he commending, wait, what's happening here? And then he also says, you know, I tell you, you, Make friends for yourselves with dishonest wealth so that when it fails, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I'm like, wait, what, what, what is that? I don't understand that. I wrote a whole paper in seminary on it and I still don't understand it. There are many different explanations for it, but I, I don't really understand it exactly. Okay, So we kind of go in with that. But I think if we look at it just from a surface level, what's one of the very clear things that come out of it? Right? That... There is a time to act prudently. Jesus says at another time that we should be as wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. And I think a lot of the times we just focus on being as innocent as doves, right? And just saying like, oh, this is what we've always done. Let's just continue to go along. Well, there is a time to be wise and prudent as well, right? To be able to change, to be able to adapt to the times that we have. One of the things that it's been said is that Every single generation is like evangelizing a brand new continent, right? Every single generation is like evangelizing a brand new continent with a new people, with a new culture that are disconnected to a certain degree from the generation before, although still connected, right? Because they're human people. But yet, it's a new evangelization that we kind of have to undertake, and we can criticize the new generation. We can criticize people who don't come to church. But let me tell you, criticizing people who don't come to church doesn't exactly help them come to church, right? What kind of things can we do and criticize ourselves and be able to say what ways maybe aren't 
we being the best evangelizers? What kind of ways aren't we acting prudently, right? We should be like St. Paul, who says today that he believes that God wills everyone to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We should, if we're here, have that belief. That we believe that God wants to save everyone. And that he desires everyone to know him in truth as well. And so, what are some ways that we can do that? Well, one way is just to, right, criticize others who aren't here. To hit them over the head, right? Well, that's one way, yeah. Um, But we attract a lot more flies to honey than we do to vinegar, right? That's certainly true. And so, what do we do as a community? Well, one idea is maybe we just make ourselves a megachurch, right? We get rid of this altar, we have a band up here, and uh, we just become a megachurch, and I preach for an hour long, and, and then we're good. Then that'll get more people. Well, you know, maybe that's not exactly the best way to do it. I, I firmly believe that even though that at certain times uh, people aren't always connected with the prayer of the church, that we want people to be connected with the prayer of the church, the prayer of Jesus Christ, His passion, death, and resurrection, and with the Eucharist, His body, blood, soul, and divinity. I truly believe that coming to the knowledge of Jesus Christ comes to that knowledge of fully participating in the Mass, of understanding what's happening and desiring it and adoring the Lord and instead of just receiving, to be giving, to become those disciples that we're called to. That's where I want everyone to be. But I realize that not everybody's there yet. And so what do we do? Well, I think we can do some small things that really help, right? We can just say, again, complain about other people or do what we can. Well, one of the things that we can do is we can be welcoming, right? It doesn't mean uh, that we have to, again, what does welcoming mean? Well, uh, welcoming doesn't just mean that we throw out all the rules, right? That, oh, everyone can come to communion, no problem at all. Doesn't matter about, uh, we can just get rid of sins, right? It doesn't really matter. Well... No, I don't think that's necessarily the effective way of welcoming. We actually look at certain megachurches and evangelicals, and in fact, they're more strict than we are. They won't even let you drink alcohol. I mean, and that would be, that's not a good change, right? Uh, we don't want to change that. We don't want to go necessarily that way, right? So what, what, what do we do? Well, we look at other people's success, and we act prudently and say and try to uh, come to understand what is the best thing that we can do. I think some simple ways. Now, this isn't, right? I think this is a continued conversation that we have with ourselves, with a way of how do we present our faith, and how do we present our faith here as a church. And the little things matter. The greeters at the door matter. Why? Is it because your entire faith should be about whether somebody opens the door for you or not? No, right? That's not... We don't want people to come here just because we open up the door for them. We want them to come here because of Jesus Christ. But if opening the door and saying hello and welcome helps someone come through the door and encounter Jesus Christ in a greater way, then we should do it, right? There's no reason why we can't. If learning somebody's name and being able to greet them by name 
helps that person feel more welcomed, helps us feel more welcomed here, well, why don't we do it? Because it's too much work. Well, they shouldn't come here because I know their name. Yeah, maybe they shouldn't, you know, maybe people shouldn't come here just because they know other people or other people know them. But if that helps, why don't we act prudently? Why don't we try to help people to be, to want to come here? If kids don't want to come to Mass, you can either lay down the hammer or you can just say, well, you know, whatever you want to do. Or you can bribe them with donuts. I mean, that's what, that's what my parents did a lot of the times. And you know what? That was the best experience. I enjoyed going to Mass, sort of, uh, because I knew that I was going to get donuts after, right? It doesn't mean that that helped me along in the faith later on, but it did help me stay connected, right? So what kind of ways can we do? Uh, The music isn't Mass, right? It isn't the fullness of the Mass. And we shouldn't have a band up here necessarily. But is music important? Absolutely, right? It helps us enter more into this prayer. And if you have bad music, it can help. It, It can sometimes take away from the prayer. And if we have good music, it can help us add to the prayer. If we have servers who know what they're doing, right? Then we're able to help not even notice that they're there, and yet the Mass goes along well. Whereas if they don't know what they're doing and they're running around the church and, you know, dropping things, well then, you know, it sometimes takes away from it. Now, is that the most important thing? No. It's a little thing. But it makes a difference, right? Now, we, as we kind of prudently kind of look at that, we don't want to create a culture where, we're, where the people here are just consumers, right? You just come here to sit down and consume whatever Father Samuel has to give you. No. It's one of the reasons why I don't preach this entire time, although I might preach longer than Father Ed, right? It might be one of the things that makes it a little bit more difficult, right? And I'm, I'm willing to change. Again, is this helpful or is this not, right? But you're not here just to receive what I have, but actually here... To receive to a degree so that you might grow, but ultimately everything here is supposed to help you receive so that you might be able to engage and actually become a greater disciple, not of Father Samuel, not of St. Joseph's, but of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ in his life, death, and resurrection. That we might become better disciples, know Him more of that knowledge, of His desire for your salvation, His love and His mercy, and that He desires everyone to know that, right? That's who we're ultimately pointed to. But let us act prudently, right? Prudently, just as the world, as the generations of this way try to get us connected with Facebook and Apple and Google and tries to get us connected in all those ways and tries to help, you know, get us into the newest fad. Let us also be prudent in the way that we approach Jesus Christ. Not to say that we want people to just be consumers or part of a mega church, but that we want people to know Jesus Christ. And there are certain things that we can do to help that. And so how do we act prudently to change what we have here, not to change the core truths of who Jesus Christ is, who the Catholic Church is, and what the Church teaches, but how can we communicate that in a more effective way? How can we help bridge that gap? 
How can we help evangelize those people who are here? Those are all questions. I don't have the answers. Just like I don't completely understand this gospel. But we can dig in and try to come to understand this gospel. Just as we can dig in and try to find new ways to help people encounter Jesus Christ once again. Because I am thoroughly convinced that Jesus Christ is as relevant today as ever. But yet, sometimes it doesn't feel like that. Is that because Jesus Christ isn't relevant? Or is it because we don't always do an effective way of presenting Him, of evangelizing in that relevant way? I don't know what that is. But let us be open to the ways that the Holy Spirit is leading us in prudence and in wisdom.